17, 17, chapter 17, 22, 22 through Good evening, good evening. We are back. It's great to be back on the Safe House Podcast. It's your man, Pastor Ferguson, with my brother, Mitchell Harper. What's going on, Mitchell? What's going on? Man, you had time off. We all had time off for about a week or so. You know, how did things go last week for you? Yeah, We got through it. Got, got through, through it. it. Last week was a rough week, man. Just a lot of weird stuff happening in the city, Feels felt like. But yeah, we got through it. Yeah. We got through it. We got yeah. through it. Is yeah, Columbus was kind of funny last week, but you know it's good to be in the house of the Lord Amen. one more time, yep. and good to be with everybody in person and online. If you are online right now, I need you to do me a favor. You go ahead and share the link with somebody somewhere. If you're on Facebook, share the link on your page. If you are on YouTube. Share the link with somebody. I know you have the capacity to hit the link, share it, text it, whatever you got to do so we can make sure that people have access to the Safe House podcast. Um, I'm excited about being back. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. And just for the purposes of forewarning, <laughs> just for the purposes of forewarning, we going to be messy tonight. And I think some people that watch us on a regular basis, they, they say stuff like, well, y'all messy all the time. Eh, we're going to come out the gate messy tonight. I, I, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just feeling a certain way. So I, I'm, I'm excited about how much mess is going to happen tonight. Yeah. Um, so as we get started, just a couple quick announcements. As always, we're in worship every Sunday here at Clare United Methodist Church. 293 East Barthman Avenue, Columbus, Ohio, 10 a.m. online and in person. We have been celebrating, of course, Black History Month, the entire month of February. We celebrate our UNCF Sunday, this Sunday, and we've been highlighting throughout the entire month of February um, our black colleges and universities, and we highlight Spelman this Sunday um, during worship. And, of course, we have been in our series on not free until we're all free and I can't wait to complete that series here this Sunday at 10 a.m. and as always unless others otherwise stated the safe house podcast every Wednesday 6 30 ish 6 30 ish we we, we didn't settled on that you know we know that 6 30 is too precise <laughs> you know it could be 6 29 it could be 6 35 it just it whatever it's gonna be is six thirty ish. Hey, if we late, I'm sure there's a couple of folks who are watching who are also late. So which it's means fine. which means that you're more than likely on time. That's right. So that's why we say <laughs> six thirty ish. So <laughs> that's that's the reason. So, but every every week on Wednesday, it's about six thirty ish every week. And just as a preview for next month, for next month, we're gonna have some 
we're going to have some guests coming through next month because we're going to deal with some pretty serious um, subject matter. Um, we'll give more of a complete idea of what that series of of t that what the series will be looking like over the next month. But since we're in the Lenten season, I think we need to just deal with Christ from a very unique and different angle, mm -hmm. especially going into the month of March. So. Mm -hmm. Be on the lookout for what that's going to look like over the next month. We're going to open up in prayer, but as I get ready to open in prayer, I want to highlight something from that something from my new part of my library. Um, this is a book that I definitely want people to go ahead and get for themselves. You know, sometimes. You know, depending on where you are in life, a lot of people are a lot more liturgical. They ain't nothing but a $2 word talking about, you know, being formal, being um, being more prone to being well-read mm -hmm. in a worship setting. Um, this book is entitled Black Liturgies, and it's by Cole Arthur Riley, who is the author of the book This Here Flesh. And I've been waiting to get this book for a while, and I'm glad I got it. It's full of prayers and poems and meditations. And I couldn't help but buy it yesterday, open up yesterday afternoon, and there are two prayers in here that struck me, and you'll hear both of them. But as we open, I want to read the first one. And the first one is entitled For Worth. It's a mm. prayer for worth. So... Let's look to the Lord as we hear this prayer. God in us, we know the miracle inherent in our existence. We are here, our beauty stretching out and dwelling within us. But it is hard to believe in one's dignity when the systems and societies to which we belong are content to destroy us. Mm -hmm. We have heard lies of our worthlessness in the explicit and implicit ways the world interacts with our bodies, stories, and homes. It is incandescent, this lie of our own inadequacy, this charade of our inferiority. Remind us that our dignity does not wane or bud in relation to anyone's belief in it, including our own. Let us rest with the knowledge that we have nothing to prove. Our dignity, perpetual as it is divine, we will not shrink, we expand, remind us of our making, for we too contain the divine. Amen. Amen. So on this evening, we come back to our series of studies on the words of modern prophets, and we are dealing with the thought tonight of finding my uniqueness in one blood and the basis comes from a speech by Marcus Garvey entitled look for me in the world in the whirlwind and we've been talking a lot about this over the last 24 hours just overall and we're going to do something unusual tonight and um Mitchell I need you to take the ball on this one, man, because you got so hype about this. Oh, man. There's no way in the world <laughs> that I'm going to try to start off any thought 
when you were excited about what came from all this that we looked into. So talk to talk to us on what you gathered. Well, in the, in the midst of that excitement, I got to make sure that when it actually comes out of my mouth, it actually makes sense. But um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this speech, first of all, by Marcus Garvey, I, I found it on YouTube and I listened to it multiple times. I read it a couple times and I had never one heard Marcus Garvey's voice, actually. Like I've, you know, I've read some of his stuff, never actually heard a recording of his of his voice. So that felt very not personal, but it, it was, I was in it. I was there with him with with the energy that he was putting out <laughs> in giving this speech. And he wasn't messing around with this speech. So I encourage you, if you have the time, if you have the desire to uh, listen to it, it's called Look For Me in the Whirlwind. Um, it's about, what, 17, 17 and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so not terribly long. But um, he, <laughs> he starts off really with like some personal responsibility stuff. You know, he talks about like how he had the option. He could have been a sellout if he wanted to be and been reasonably prosperous, but, um, or he could have chosen to, to work to help promote and improve the integrity of black folks and suffer in the process. And he says he chose to do the latter. So like already in that, in that place, he's already saying, we're going to do the uncomfortable work. We have to do the uncomfortable work. Um, and in this speech, he actually references the scripture that we're going to be talking about today um, in the 17th chapter of Acts, or, or, or at least part of that, mm -hmm. that uh, block of text. Um, and he, he really wants to drive home the equality of everyone. Right. Um, and how if we are all created in the image of God, then we cannot continue to view certain people in our community, our global community, as inferior. Um, well, this was 1924, 25, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So this is obviously... he. he we know Marcus Garvey was talking to black folks. So like, no, we're not going, we're not going to pretend, you know, anything ab uh, about that. But, um, he was really making it very hard for people to say that they were Christian and operate in certain ways where they were not viewing people in the fullness of God that created them. And, um, I don't know how deep you want me to get into well, this, just, but, uh, I'm, I'm trusting you, man. but he, um, He makes it very clear that while we are all made in the image of God, if white people want to view God as white, then black people have the opportunity to also view God as black, and that doesn't make one more right or wrong than the other. But we all have the opportunity to view God from our own spectacles. That's what he says. We all have the opportunity to view God from our own spectacles. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a hard that's a hard thing for me because you obviously just want to be like well we're all you know this that and the third but like 
when you read scripture, mm-hmm. you're reading you're reading the works of people who were experiencing God in a very specific time, in a very specific place, with very specific occurrences and events. And you have to take all of those things into account as to how that develops and builds on their relationship with God, how that affects their relationship with, with God. And he's, he's acknowledging that we worship, we worship the God of Ethiopia. We worship, you know, the, the, the God that is known in Africa and, and the same way that Europeans worship the God that they view as European and this, that, and the third. But at, at the same time, he's saying that, like, you can acknowledge that while also rising above that to sort of acknowledge the globalness of God while also seeing the specificity for how God shows up with specific groups of people based on those specific groups of people's context. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really all I'm going to say about that right now. I don't want to necessarily bury too much of the lead, but um, but he but he references this passage in, in Acts where Paul is addressing people who he's not necessarily in lockstep with, but who who he ends up being able to have a very important and valid conversation with nonetheless. So the interesting the interesting thing about the interesting thing about the speech mm-hmm. is that we still deal with in many ways this concept and idea that that God has to be just this monolith. We deal with our experience of God as, for whatever reason, people believe that it has to be a monolithic experience. Mm -hmm. That how I experience and encounter God is not good unless, if that makes sense. Like unless it's the same as everybody else's experience encounter with God? Right. So... We've, we've tried to unpack this for a while, and I think for whatever reason, it seems like this is the, the place where we kind of lie in the, in the study aspect. We, we continue to come to the themes of kingdom versus empire. Mm-hmm. Empire is a monolith. It's a this is it. That your experience with God is not a part of this tapestry. So... Some people experience God from a certain perspective of advancement, of of being great, of being um, above. Yeah. Right? Never lost. Yeah. Right. Uh But we don't acknowledge or we don't embrace God as liberator because you are still responsible for pulling yourself up and doing this and doing that and dot, 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 right? God cares about the disenfranchised. But what happens is because we begin to co-opt and try to create something based upon 
all this different stuff, we no longer see God as a liberator. We only see God as, well, I want to be in the number on the Lord's side and everybody else that doesn't get on the Lord's side just has to deal and just has to suffer. But I get to also, in my own mind, determine what that side actually looks like. Yes. And, and who, gets, who gets in and who gets left out. Here's a quote from the speech. Well, a couple of them. I unequivocally, unequivocally rejected the racist assumption that much of white American Christianity, namely that God had created the black man inferior and that he intended Negroes to be a servant class, heavers of wood and drawers of water. Well, I pred predicated my view of man on the doctrine of Imago Dei. All men, regardless of color, are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Now, from this premise comes the equality of all men and brotherhood of all men. The biblical injunction of Acts 17.26 reminds us that he created of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth and is most interested in brotherhood within his own race. Because if Negroes are called, are created in the image of God and Negroes are black, then God must be in some sense, in some sense, be black. In some sense, yeah. Which people would begin to say, well, why are we going here? Mm -hmm. We're going here because if we are from one blood, because that's where people start. That's where people start. If we're from one blood as human beings, and every human being does not have the same experience, right. would that not then suggest <laughs> that there are multiple views and perspectives on what it means to serve God and encounter God? Would it then mean that my experience with God is just as valuable as the experience of my Asian brother, mm -hmm. of my Native American brother, my um, Latina sister, of anybody. Mm -hmm. Because all of our experiences still led us to the same source, right? Our experiences somehow bring us to a place where we don't have to have the exact ex the exact same experience to know the exact same God. Right. And because of that, we also don't have to lose pride in who we are because we were created in the image. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Image and likeness of God. So if we are created in the image and likeness of God, all of us. Right. Uh-huh. Now see, this is this is why we get messy. Right. And this is 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 why we get messy. Because dealing with dealing with scripture and dealing and exegeting life. See, God rest his soul. Dr. Booth would tell me in a minute, you can't you can't just you can't just exegete the text. You gotta exegete the world. Mm. So you gotta exegete the world too. In this world, people live divided 
because they have a misguided perception of who God is and what is important to God as well. That's that's it. Yeah. And so I don't go around celebrating my blackness to separate myself from anybody else. I celebrate it because it was created by for, God. For it for obviously for a purpose, yeah. Right? Right. And I celebrate people embracing their uniqueness, understanding that it came from God as well. So if I'm able to embrace mine and you're able to embrace yours and then you embrace mine and I embrace yours, that's how this one blood thing begins to work. But the problem is we are not currently in society. We are not in a place where we're really prepared to actually say that we can look at somebody. And I'm talking in generalities. I'm, right. not, I'm not talking for people. But in generalities, we are not in a position to say that when we look at somebody, that is somebody created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, they as a person is sacred. Have we ever been have we ever been good at that? Like, like in a in a general sense, have we ever been good at if God's on my side, mm-hmm. then I'm also okay with him being on your side. But I feel like it's always well, if God's on my side, then I'm gonna dictate to you what you need to do to fix you because I've got all my stuff figured out. So we need we need you to ask that on the mic. Brother Yeah, brother Clarence, you need to ask, yeah, say that on the mic. Uh yes, doesn't that come down to being a choice? It's a choice. It's a choice that that occurs because of what we take in. So so for instance, I would Wow, this is deep. I was talking to somebody, I think it was yesterday. Actually, actually, it's going to be one of our guests that's coming next month. Okay. Um, he and I were on the phone, and I talked to him yesterday, and I said, I still remember over 30 years ago when we had um, moments with the youth at Mount Olivet Baptist Church every Sunday. Every Sunday. You get all these, and it wasn't just little kids. It was my pastor had everybody from the little the little ones all the way through teenagers. Yeah, all of us. And he he didn't start his spiel until we did a call and response. Mm-hmm. And here was the call and response. You ready for this? Here's the call and response. Forty two years old, I still remember it word for word. He started off. Who are you? We are God's children. Who are you? We are beautiful African-American children. Mm. Young ladies, who are you? I am a beautiful African-American princess. Young men, who are you? I am a beautiful African-American prince. And he would make us repeat it if we weren't loud enough. 
that speaks exactly to the to the the prayer that you read coming into the podcast. Now, over thirty years ago, this thing still rings in my head. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten some things, but I haven't forgotten that. Over thirty years ago, that was ingrained in us. Fifty-two weeks a year. That's right. Yeah. It didn't even if he wasn't there. It every week. We got sick and tired of saying it, but you see, it's stuck. Right. There is a place for you and I to embrace who God is to us and embrace the uniqueness in which God created us. Mm-hmm. But what we have, but what we struggle with in the life of the church and in the world is being able to embrace the fact that we come from a God that literally promotes diversity. Like, like, actual, like, literally promotes diversity. We didn't, we may have all come from Adam and Eve, but let's be clear. Right. We all, all came from Adam and Eve. <laughs> and we all grew and came about regionally from a whole bunch of places. Yep. Right? So then we all have different experiences. Yep. Let me stay with black folk for a minute. All of us didn't grow up in Columbus. And even no, let me start with Columbus folk. East side folk are different from west side folk. South side folk different from north side folk. Right? When I went to college, if you said you were from Columbus, Ohio, if you went to Kentucky State University, all of us Columbus folk asked an extra question. You know what the extra question was? Which side is Which side? And here, and here it is. If they didn't tell you a side, but they told you a suburb, we told them, you ain't from Columbus. <laughs> you from, <laughs> you from Reynoldsburg. Yeah, you from Worthington. You from Grove City. Yeah. You're from New Albany. Uh-huh. You ain't, look, but, but while you, but then here's the other part. But while you're here, we got you. Yeah, you from Columbus. You yeah. from Columbus <laughs> while you here. But we know. Where you from? Yep. But Columbus folk do. Like, man, where'd you grow up? East side? Oh, bet. What part of the east side? Right, which part of the east side? Oh, I was in Berwick. Oh, man, I was over. You see what I mean? But all of our experiences were what? They weren't the same. And we literally came from the same city. Mm-hmm. So what makes anybody think that being saved means you're going to have the exact same experience yeah. with God. Yeah. Same timeline. Come on, man. Listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen. I, I, don't, I don't learn. Look. Look. Over here at Claire, we shout. But if I go somewhere else, I know for a fact it ain't always going to be loud. It's just going to be you shouting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I've learned. But I've learned you can get a shout out of some people. Because they've been waiting to shout all day life. That's right. Yeah. But you get them in the right setting, they be like, oh. This, and and you, you listen to some of my, some of our folk. They be like, oh, this is what it sounds like to praise God. 
because they didn't come from the same experience. Right. Some people literally ask, I always wanted to find out how to elicit this kind of response. Like, baby, you can't elicit this response because it comes from a source. Right. That ain't you. And, it, and it's cool if it's not you, but you should be able to embrace the diversity of what that looks like. Right. You can be in awe of how people do that thing, but my God, you should, you should understand that there's a place for it. There's a place for it. Yeah. And, it, and if there wasn't a place for it, it wouldn't be there. I remember there was a there was an older lady at a church that my dad used to pastor, and mm. we would we would be singing a hymn, we'd have a, a time of prayer, whatever whatever it was, and she would just she would catch the spirit, and yes. she would be the only one. And she, this old lady, she, she never fell, yes, but sir. there were plenty of times where I was just like, please be careful, because she's running and shouting and sweating, and it's just her. And let me tell you something, she did not care and we would the piano would keep going we keep and but she would just run laps and praise and then nobody care do you and that and that and people will be like it seems like y'all ain't really getting into nothing yet we actually are because if we can acknowledge our diversity right within a subsect of an entire group mm -hmm. how much greater is the diversity within the entire body of Christ. So then if we are promoting the kingdom of God, yeah. if we are truly promoting it, mm -hmm. then we have to start at a place where I am able to see God through the lens where I come from, just like you're able to see it and I'm not going to impose it. Right, acknowledging that your willingness has nothing to do with where you may be on the journey at that point. Yes. Yes. See, we let me let me throw this out. We cannot combat the negativity of misunderstood divinity and uniqueness in our human frame until we return to our source. Mm. Only then can we begin to address the change that needs to occur in the world. Let's consider the scripture. Acts 17, 22 through 28. Whew. I know. Here we go. Gotta take a breath. We've been we've been yeah. trekking along already. So Paul, standing in the midst of Aeropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along, and observed the objects of your worship. <laughs> I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Come on nor is, is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from, here we, here we go, 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him mm-hmm. and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Wow. I see that you're religious. Mm -hmm. That's deep because they're Greeks and they're known to be philosophers. Mm. Mm. So you said, I can recognize that you're religious because of the objects of your worship. Okay, we can laugh about this now, y'all. We, I'm, I'm, okay, Claire, folk, we can laugh about this now, okay? Everybody going to be all right. We'd have been together a while now. Buckle up. No, I ain't no buckle <laughs> up. It's going to be funny now. It wasn't funny before, but it'd be funny now. I'm so glad we stopped worshiping the stained glass window in our church. Mm. Yeah, I went there. Like, it ain't about who. I'm just saying I thank God we stopped we stopped doing it. Some people, some people, some people look and, and, and look and look and listen. That stained glass window is pretty. That's okay. The, it, it's pretty. Yes. It's pretty pretty. Okay. It it pretty. It pretty you know, pretty Ricky, what they call it. It is pretty. It pretty. Okay. Okay, yes, that was my Martin reference for this evening. But I'm so glad. That we got over worshiping the objects. You see what I mean? You, un- you, un- you understand? Doesn't so, make it any less pretty. Oh, oh, it's still pretty. Yeah. But but there were there was a point where if you listen to some people's conversation, they put more emphasis in the objects of worship than in worshiping the God of the church. Because people can see it from the outside. Yes. So it's got to be. It's got to be pretty. Yes. Instead of us being like, make sure we we pretty. Yeah. Spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> see, this is the, here we and go. Like I said, tonight was gonna be. And look, and look, and he said it, and he put the bike down, uh-huh. and he went back to eat the yep. sandwich. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Listen. Mind his own business. Oh, come on. It was you can, oh, that, he, he gotta say that. He gotta say that again. Say it again. Say it again. Because they didn't get it. That's why it's our church. Uh-huh. So when so when so think about so I used the example of it and look, sister, sister Pat, okay, with her different strokes reference. What you talking about, Willis? Listen. Oh man. Listen. Yeah, yeah, listen, listen. Listen, she laughing out loud because she know it's true. So <laughs> now, even though I jokingly say this, right, if we pay attention for real, 
you can tell how people worship according to what is really the object of their worship. Mm-hmm. So, if you can, and, 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 and like I said, I've been pastoring now, I've been a senior pastor for 13 out of 26 years in ministry now. So here are the things that I know in, in the four churches I've pastored, here are some of the things that you find out about what people worship. Don't take away somebody's bulletin. Even oh. though most of the people that would complain, they end up leaving it behind on the pew anyway. Which is disrespectful to the person that took the time to, to produce the information. And the person who takes the time to clean up the church. Come on, man. What? So it, it, don't take it, though. Don't take it, though, because we've always had it. You see what I mean? Objects. So don't take this out of service. Don't. Whatever is the object of your worship is usually, the th- is usually what you worship. That's what your religion is based on. Notice I didn't say your relationship. I said your religion. Mm-hmm. And we are very religious. Very, <laughs> very religious. Don't you dare go. Don't you go two minutes over. Mm. Don't you dare. Don't you dare let the Holy Ghost come up and 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 change up stuff. Don't you dare. No, that ain't where prayer is supposed to be. It's supposed to be in this slot. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You better, you better get up there, only preach 15 minutes, because we don't want to hear all that. I got stuff to do. Whatever the object, okay, let's go further. Let's go further. Y'all ready for this? Let's indict. Let's, we got to indict the people that we're a part of, the history of the, of the Methodist Church. I'm not even just going to go United Methodist, of the Methodist Church. You had great preachers that were black. But they weren't. But they weren't light enough to preach in the lighter settings. Marcus Garvey was Methodist at one point. Look at that fact. You had a whole lot of people that were Methodist, because in Methodism they were always leaning towards what justice and things like that. Until it got co-opted by individuals that refused to stay along that line. Now we're uncomfortable. And we're uncomfortable talking about it because we understand that in every history, there is an ugly part. Yep. But you can't put it under the rug. You got to identify the fact that we've had some mess. Do you know what the Do you know what the UMC would probably look like if Richard Allen was never rejected? Ooh. Ooh. Preaching hey. here, black man. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine? What the Methodist church would look like if Richard Allen was never rejected? Mm. Let's go. The, a, the AME church Let's has been around lesson. for over 200 years yeah. only because Richard Allen was rejected. We're trying to just pray in church, right? Pray To pray and preach. <laughs> and watch this. And watch this. For a minute, when he was preaching, he could only preach. In the black service, and watch this, the black service was the early service. It wasn't the regular one. It would have been the equivalent of the 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. service. That's the only one he could preach in. And they would not let him preach in the church house with white folk. 
What kind of stuff is that? You can put that on the mic. <laughs> you can I put that on the mic? But that's, but that's, but but you see, but this is why we, sh this is why we have to have the hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah. This is why. This is why we have to have the hard conversations, because we have to be able to talk about it for real. And think about this for a minute. If I can't acknowledge your uniqueness as an individual, right? If I can't say, if I can't sit in, if I can't sit in front of you and say, I know that you're created in the image and likeness of God, and for those reasons, I consider your life, your purpose, your destiny sacred. If I can't do that, that's not an indictment on you. Yeah. That's an indictment on me. Yeah. That's not an indictment on God. That's an indictment on how I try to make God fit my narrative. You see what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's what, where we are struggling. I don't stand as a confident black man without being around people that have said to me, you are in, created in the image, likeness, and I affirm what God has done in completion, mm -hmm. and your uniqueness makes me better. I, I don't become this unless I grew up in an environment that said you are worth it. Yeah. And I don't become this person. Uh, I don't become this person that lives in a way that says I owe it to the next generation to give the real stuff that needs to be given. I can give my son anything and everything he wants. But the thing that I know that I've given him that's most valuable is what? The confidence to be himself. Right. The safety to show up with your quote-unquote baggage and know that you can be met in that with love and grace and the ability to move forward not being stuck there. Go ahead, Jerry. Um, as as an individual, we let our souls limited our our minds and how we speak things. We have become so uh, confident that we are letting our uh, individuals or uh, what's the word? Um, well, self-confidence. We have let our uh, limitations dictate how we speak in the church and how we speak around individuals, and we are letting the outside world uh, dictate those limits and how we preach to each other. So, I mean, overcoming those, you have to step out on a limb and go for it. God, he, when he preached, he didn't hold nothing back. So why are we? The reason, the unfortunate reason that we hold a lot of stuff Question. back is yeah. because we don't want, because here it is, we don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. What, what I've learned a lot in therapy is that I don't get to dictate how other people 
choose to interpret the things that I do. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't get to determine how they interpret who I am and who I am trying to be. Mm -hmm. And so having to let go of that control of other people's perception of who I am Mm -hmm. then allows me the freedom to say, this is what I know I got to do regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of how you're going to judge me on it. This is what I got to show up and do. And I, I say that as someone who fails in that more than I succeed at it, but the, 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 the freedom to know that that's an option is life changing mm-hmm. to know that like so much of that, like y- y- I, I put limitations on myself because I perceive that other people are putting those limitations on me as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I live into it, the only person that it affects ultimately is me. Right. Right. And, and, And this is and this is the and this is the ch- this is the challenging thing that I see, unfortunately. Like, just just where we are right now, right? If we are going to really bring forward the kingdom of God, right? This is not even where I thought we were going to go but I think it needs to be mentioned. I've mentioned it before. If we're going to really bring the kingdom of God into this world, then we have to strip the empire of man. What do I mean? When people co-opt the message of Christ, the word of God, to create this monolith to suggest that your experience, if it doesn't fit a certain formula, is not worthy to be seen as a a call story or a or a pulling of Christ. It's invalid. It's illegitimate. It's illegitimate. Yeah. To say to say that my experience is not worthy, right? To say that I didn't come to Jesus in a typical way. It could have been that somebody met me on the corner somewhere. It wasn't at the altar right? in front of a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. It could have been behind bars. It could have been, anyway, it could have been that I really met the Lord at my lowest point. Correct. When I was depressed, when I was this, when I was that. I Can I, can I throw this out here? Why, why, why did we create this, this thought that says, that you have to get yourself together before Jesus could get uh, you together. Where, where, where 
exactly did that come from? Like, I, I no, for real. I I have a hypothesis. I, I'm not a smart. Look, listen, listen. I got a bunch of degrees. Don't mean I'm the smartest guy in the world. I just, I really because I wonder. I really do. I wonder why when people actually, for instance, when pre-COVID, when people you invited folk to church and they came to church and they tell you after church, man, I felt everything that was said. The pastor was on point. The word was on point. Music was on point. Well, why didn't you take the invitation? Because I got to get myself together before I come. What? I'm not sure you were listening. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And so, to let me, let me, let me, let me, let me throw the curveball. And so, if that be, if that be true, that means that we have created a culture. Not we have created a culture, and we have not gone in step with Christ. Because if we go in step with Christ, Christ will literally look for the disenfranchised and do whatever it takes to lift. But what we do in an empire mentality is we want you to come so we can fix you to fit the culture. And so when we fix you to fit the culture, we are then comfortable. We are creatures of comfort. You will not go to a church that don't have air or heat. Usually. Usually. Thank goodness. And, 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 you will look, look, thank God, right? Thank God we got heat. Thank God that during summer we got air. Thank God, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But most people won't show up if the thing is messed up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we are creatures of comfort. Now, if I'm talking about AC and heat, think about your spirit. Think about your soul. Think about your mind. You don't want to go into environments that make you feel uncomfortable. However, if you follow in Jesus, every place that Jesus went. Yeah. Come on in here. I have need to go to Samaria. Nah, we don't go there. <laughs> because them half-breeds are there. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Then what? Uh-oh. <laughs> right. The disciples showed their racism. Yep. But Jesus said, it's a straight line from here to there. And guess what? We going. The disciples had to deal with their own... Yeah. People don't want to talk about this stuff. They had to deal with their own cultural bias. They had to deal with... I'm, I'm, they had to... They had to deal, look, they had to deal with colorism. Mm. Samaritans were just like them. They had, they had to deal with colorism. The disciples that we laud that follow Jesus had to deal with colorism. And Jesus made them confront their own cultural bias. And Jesus met who he needed to meet in Samaria to bless them. Do you? 
do you think that there's any sort of meat to the, the, the disciples were able to sort of build their own little community amongst themselves. Is there, is it a defense mechanism to say, I don't know what we're going to encounter over here. So we got to make sure that we're all on the same page. And if we got to go in here and be defensive or combative, we got to be ready for that. Well, as I'm, opposed to just saying like, we're going to go in here graciously. <laughs> well, I mean, you talking about being Peter. I mean, Look, Peter Peter was ready to cut anybody all the time, and he was in the inner circle. And eventually, Peter softened up some, but that was only after mm-hmm. he had the biggest failure of his life. Mm-hmm. Think about that. As until, Before that failure happened, Peter was like, look, I'm going to ride or die, have my stuff on my side, and whatever you're going to do, you ain't going to take Jesus. I will cut a cop. That's mm-hmm. what he did. You know I keep that thing on me. Uh, yep. Right. And I say to everybody... Everybody ought to have somebody in their life like Peter. Everybody. That ride or die. Ride yeah. or die. Yeah. To the wait, to the wheels fall off, four flats, and all that. Okay. I got some people in my life like Peter. But here's the only reason I say that now. Because Peter had the biggest failure after having all the bravado. Yeah. It was only after Jesus told him he was going to fail and his ego wouldn't allow him to accept what he was saying. Yeah. And so that's the whole thing. Jesus chose 12 people, right? That, come on, man. He chose 12 people, different backgrounds, different subsects, different everything. And everywhere Jesus took them, they had to confront something negative about themselves mm-hmm. because they ha- if you're going to be like wait jesus said and these works you're going to do and greater yep. but you can't do greater until you learn where you got to go who you got to confront who you got to deal with think about it you do better once you know better and think about this at some point peter ended up having to what talk to some gentiles but it took a dream for him to realize they ain't dirty. <laughs> and took somebody calling him out on it even after he'd had the dream. Yes. <laughs> so you so you got things within people. That's why I don't, I do understand, but I don't understand how, how we continue to bring forward an empire mentality to a world that is supposed to be diverse and kingdom. Well, I think I think the world trends toward empire. I think systems only work when you fit into the system. Yeah. And if our whole entire reality is based upon systems, allegedly, then if you don't fit in, then we don't we can't do anything with you. And I mean, is, isn't that what's happening to Paul in, in the passage that we're like, yeah. he, he's coming in, not fitting in to the system that the Greeks <laughs> have been fine with living with. And now all of a sudden he's got to, he gets called before the Areopagus. Yes. And now has to explain himself as to why he's saying and doing what he's saying and doing, knowing that there isn't really anybody on that council. Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to see it? Who who is going into it, seeing it the same way that he's seeing it? Right. How do we 
how do we deal with the situation that we have today? That I'm a Christian, but I follow Donald Trump. Somebody please explain that to me. Since you, okay, I did say we're going to be messy. So let it's me, already 7:30. Here we go. We're gonna end. It, we're gonna. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give an. We're gonna give an account. Yeah. So here's. So here's where we are. Because if we're wrestling with these things, right, where things become political, po div divisive, politically, socially, religiously, right. My politics should not inform my faith. My faith should always inform how I live within this world. Therefore, therefore, and, and everybody knows this about me, I am not an extremist. In other words, in other words, everybody can catch the smoke in politics. Everybody. Yep. Because if you ain't doing right by people, you don't represent the interests of the people, then we're not following out what, quote unquote, a democracy is supposed to be. Right? Because it's supposed to be you, you're supposed to be serving at the interest and the will of the people. And in this country, 535 people in the legislative, people in the executive, and in the judicial do not serve the interests of all the people. I said it, I'll add to it, and I don't care if you like it or not. You're not gonna convince me that a savior is gonna go into the White House. <laughs> I told you, I'm gonna add more yeah, to it. There it is, yeah. Let me, add, let me add a little more to it. The government is Pharaoh no matter who is in the office. And if you learned anything from your Bible study, God, at some point, is going to make somebody rise up and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And eventually, somebody is going to want to be free. But there are always going to be people that will say, why don't we go back to Egypt? Mm -hmm. Because they don't want because they don't want freedom. Because if you really want freedom, you got to know that God is able to set you free. And you shall know the truth and watch this. Don't read it wrong like we've always read it and the knowledge of the truth will set you free. Mm. You will know the truth and the said knowledge of said truth will set you free. That's why I don't get caught up in thinking about Donald Trump. I don't get caught up in thinking about Joe Biden because everybody got some snake issues. Yeah. We're, we're all using God to, to validate the superiority that we think we have in whatever context we think we have it in. Here's, here's, a, here's a thought from Pastor Leo Cunningham. I love you, Leo. I just want you to know that. Here it is. So, are, so we are living in Egypt or Babylon? Guess what? Guess what, Pastor Cunningham? Here's my answer. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. And I'm not going to unpack it tonight. 
because there's I'm not going to unpack it because this one of those times when it's not an either or it's both and mm-hmm. because they have their elements. Mm-hmm. So here here it is. Let me let me throw the question out, throw the points out. Because the key thing for us to be able to function in this world is that we got to investigate our roots. So how is investigating our roots, how does investigating our roots roots pull forth our uniqueness and divinity? How do we pull that out through investigating our roots? First, we learn our divine nature is boundless. Mm -hmm. I am not bound (laughs) by what you think of me. Better term, I'm not boxed in by your opinion. Paul passed by an image and the inscription said, to the unknown God. They had their objects of worship, but they were acknowledging a God that's boundless, but they were not going to go beyond that boundary. Their boundary was stuck in an image. Paul talked about God from the perspective of being boundless to the point acknowledging Christ as being the son of God, which in that Trinitarian understanding of God, Jesus is God, (laughs) right? So the idea of God, the concept of God cannot be limited. But if I, if I may say, we we had talked about this earlier um, off, off the, off the mic, but at this point in time, we know that the Greeks had this history of, 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 of a pantheon of gods. Yes. Right? And at the head of that pantheon was Zeus. Right. Right? But we, they had started to move into, with the Epicureans, with mm-hmm. the Stoics, they had moved into this time where some of the philosophi- philosophers at the time were saying, Zeus is more like an idea mm-hmm. than this physical arms, legs, face, beard, God, right? right? And so this concept of the God who is everywhere and everything, all at once, all-powerful, all-knowing, is not... Paul brings this up because they they understand that concept. They they understand that, at least, Mm -hmm. to that point. So, like, he's, he's speaking their language at a moment where they didn't think that he would be capable of speaking their language. Right. And but you also bring up a very a very key point even with the constant ideas, right? That were floating in that time, they were still reducing God. Right. They were they were doing a reduction of God mm-hmm. in their own way. And even though Paul was able to speak their language and say at the same time he's like, "No. Boundless." Right. I know the direction you're trying to go, but God is boundless. So that means that means to me in 2024, as Charles Ferguson, I'm grateful that God is boundless to be able to reach me in my skin, in my context, in my this, in my that, and I am able to experience God the way that I do. Right. And understand that you. Mitchell Harper experienced God in a certain way, certain context, certain thing, and guess what? We experience the same God at the same time. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
And when we and when we begin to see God through that wider lens yeah. of that God is not bound by us, <laughs> but we but we have been redeemed by a God who has greater reach than anything we could do with our human hands. God is not wine. Do not put him in a box. My Lord. Yep. I know you've been home. Go ahead. Think about it. Now, if you stop and think of it, after Mary had uh, gave birth to Jesus, the following was never recorded or never even mentioned ever that I know of. But wouldn't you but think that we all, after God, follows God by being his offsprings, uh, ancestral line of uh, followers? We, we are all made in, in God's image. And if Jesus is the new Adam and we have fully subscribed ourselves to Jesus being the son of God and Jesus is the new Adam and we are in that lineage. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course. Sing, what's that? Staples? Who, who, who is it? We are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can sing it, boy. You can sing it. <laughs> we ain't got the copyright. We can't. Right. Sing it. Oh, Lord. Can... Well, I mean, we ain't playing the. <laughs> well, you can sing it. We ain't, got... we ain't playing the track. <laughs> but but here comes the next. But here comes the other two things because we're going to try to get up out of here because this got, this got real good. Oh, yeah. It, got, got, it got, got too good. Yeah. 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 So, the second thing. We got first thing we learn our divine nature is boundless. Second thing is our movement in the world is governed by our connection to God. Mm-hmm. Our movement in the world is governed by our connection to God. How I move, how I look. Let's let's look at the end of the scripture. Yes, because look, I'll just say what I say, knowing that in this context, in this room, is mostly an African American context. I read a whole line that should have normally made folks shout and is actually in scripture. Mm. Here it is. Let me go back. Yet he is actually not far, far from each one of us for in him, we live and move and have our being. And they still didn't shout. Yeah. <laughs> It, oh, see, don't, ain't nobody want that fake thing. Wait, you can tell it. Look, 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 look you, you can tell it. Asking you, you shall receive, Pastor. Right, right, that, was, that was weak. 
would have if it was Sunday morning. If it was Sunday morning, they would have fell all over the all over the pew. <laughs> they would have fell out. Ah, Jesus! It'd have, have been forty million dollars worth of tissue. Oh all over the man! <laughs> uh, but that that statement in him, we live and move and have our being. I can't do anything in this world without the Lord and being connected. Because when I'm connected, it is in Christ that I live, move, and have my being. It's when I'm disconnected that I ain't got no direction. And that's, if you if you read past the six verses that we gave today, yeah. Paul tells the people, like, you've tried to put God into these images of gold and silver— and God, God going to let you get away with that for a time. And now he's saying that the time of ignorance has to end. Yes. And like, like you got to, again, when you know better, you got to do better. Right. And so like, once you are connected with God and allow him to go, your movement has to be different. The way that you show up has to be different. So then, so then in everything that we do, in everything that we do, let's, let's, let's lay it out. When it comes to how we deal with each other, um, Black, white, this, that, and the other. And how we deal with each other, rich, poor, and otherwise. And how we deal with each other, you know, economically, socially, all that kind of stuff. The only way I can really deal with you is if God is governing my steps. That is how you begin to differentiate the people that say, I want to vote this way or that way versus (laughs) people that say, I'm not going to let this govern me. I'm going to let God govern me. And when I see something that's right, that's right. When it's wrong, it's wrong. Huh? That means if you treating somebody, calling them out their name, doing this and doing that, and I know it's wrong, that means I should not be afraid to state it's wrong. Yeah. If you treat somebody like garbage, I cannot justify that. By saying that because you do this, that God don't love you, and I'm going to treat you that way, and all this other kind of stuff. That's a bad representation of God. So you don't get to come up and talk about all... Mm. You don't get to talk about Jesus knowing that Jesus would do probably the exact opposite of what you're talking about doing. See, whereas most of the people that want to continue to perpetuate all this mess would have been the people that were trying to sell stuff in the temple, the Jesus I know, right? The Jesus I know would have flipped. He didn't flip the table. I believe it wasn't a flip. It was a throw. (laughs) How do I I come to that conclusion? Because the same Jesus braided a whip. You got to have some Africanized tendencies (laughs) to know how to braid. I said what I said. And if you look in his background, he got some Africanized tendencies. The same Christ that braided the whip probably threw the table. And guess what? Nobody dared touch him. Have you ever read the story? Nobody went and tried to stop him either because they would have gotten away of that whip and they would have gotten away of that table. You messing with my money, I'm going to come after you. None of them came after Jesus. Right. Jesus was like Debo. And the rest of them sounded like Smokey. When Debo come around, yeah. you know, I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. But when he leave, I'll be talking, I'll be talking again. again. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> when you are connected by connected to God, you govern yourself a certain way. You live a certain way. You function a certain way. You do what you're supposed to be doing. And then the last thing, we out. We recognize that we are designed for a specific time and purpose. Mm -hmm. We're designed for a specific time and purpose. I use this as I use this as a kind of a heartfelt example. My mentor passed away 2019, just before this pandemic. He dealt he dealt with um, he dealt with multiple bouts. He had multiple myeloma. Dealt with that battle for years. He died in 2019. A lot of us that loved him said. We wish we could hear his voice because his voice was so prophetic. His voice was so profound. Mm -hmm. And we think about it from the perspective of what's happening now that his voice would have such impact right now. But if I think about it, mm -hmm. he would have been a part of the group of people that when COVID came, he was immune compromised. And how much more would that have hurt? Knowing that, uh, knowing as he described it, he described it this way. He said that if he got an infection from a cold, he could have died. Mm -hmm. But as your mentor, his voice does continue through the people that he mentored. Now, yes. Now, here's where I'm going. He had a time and a season. <laughs> he was not built to go through this pandemic season. But some of us were, mm -hmm. and we didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Seminary don't prepare you to try to guide a church through a worldwide pandemic. It don't. It, 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 it don't. It, it don't. Churches close. Mm -hmm. Pastors die. Yep. Thinking that it was faith over fear, and they kept dying from an unknown disease that still exists, that has mutated with other things that have now come that are not COVID, but now stronger versions of the flu and other things. And other things. Everybody's not built for every season. Mm -hmm. They always compare athletes from this season, to, from this time to the past. Could they have lasted? How do we know? You don't know. Because everybody wasn't built the same. And there's a reason why they were at where they were at at the time that they were at. Paul could go to the Greeks yes. because he was actually built to deal with the Greeks mm -hmm. and the Romans. Peter probably couldn't go to the Greeks. James and John couldn't go to the Greeks. Mm -hmm. But somehow... 
Paul was called out, changed in an instant, and was able to go to places others were not built to go. I can walk through your agora. I can I can speak on your poets. I can talk to your philosophers. I can, I can, I I do you better than you do you. Like it's it's this is what I do. So not everybody can do that in that moment, but everyone does have a place and a time where they can do that. That is correct. And if we are going to be the kingdom of God truly, then maybe, just maybe, we need to start acknowledging the fact that we are designed uniquely for unique purpose, seasons, and times. And helping people find their place in how to do that. Lord, have mercy. Could you imagine what it would be like Brothers and sisters, if we made it the annual conference this year and it looked very different than it ever had because for the first time in a long time that maybe, just maybe, everybody would embrace the fullness of our uniqueness. Mm. Would it be something to go to church on Sunday and embrace the totality of who we are as a people in the local congregation. For better or for worse. My Lord. And be, and be all right knowing that it all has a place. Can you imagine what preaching would look like if folk didn't try to preach like other folk, but they actually let God use them uniquely as themselves? I don't, I don't want to preach like my favorite preachers. You know why? Because I'd end up being arrogant <laughs> and just doing stuff to be doing stuff and wouldn't be helping nobody. That's, that's selfish. But you've been placed where you've been placed for such a time as this, the scripture says. Yes. Yeah. And that's why. And that's why. And that's why we're here now. That's why the Safe House podcast exists. Now, instead of back then, that's why we have these opportunities now, unlike before. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. As we close tonight, we close with one more prayer. And, um, as always, Thank you all for being with us in person, online, um, navigating through all the different spaces we were in tonight. If you're watching this and it's the replay, thank you for catching the replay. Remember, we're always here live and in person every Wednesday, 630-ish. We're here in person and online. And we're in worship 10 a.m. every Sunday. Boy, this prayer is going to say something. Deep. We're going to probably be from this thing a lot more. Yeah, let's do it. I think it's helpful when you don't have to always yeah, make the prayers yourself. Someone already has been through what you've been through and has put words to it. So here it is as we close tonight. God who reclaims. One moment we are free, jaws unclenched and at home with ourselves. Then without warning, a wind 
passes through us, sending a thousand tiny uncertainties ricocheting through our inner worlds. We question our beauty, our power, and memory. We grow suspicious of love and feel foolish for our hope. Remind us that it's not our fault. Let us remember that a society constructed by the oppressor never wanted us free. We've been conditioned toward a very particular form of seeing. We have been indoctrinated into the, Ill, into the illusion that says white is pure and black is sinful. That says our worth is correlated with how willing we are to be eaten and spit out by a capitalist appetite. That says power is measured by the force with which we take someone else's agency. Mm-hmm. Travel with us into our interior worlds, reclaiming every site that has been colonized, every location of internalized hatred and dishonor. Take us home to ourselves and let us remember what it feels like to say our own names with the reverence they demand. Take us home. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you Sunday at 10 a.m. and then back here next Wednesday, the Safe House Podcast. Love you to life.